just I'll crack on then. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Yeah, good. Um, so what I'll do is um, I'll ask you first, why? What got you interested in monster films and and wanting to get involved with filmmaking? Uh, well, it's, that's a two-part question. I, <laughs> I, um, uh, as as a kid, I just loved monster films, and my dad supported that interest. Mm -hmm. uh, my earliest movie memory is being taken by him. I assume I was five because that's about when the movie came out to see the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, okay. the Ray Harryhausen picture. Yeah, great film actually. And, yes, and, and it, it it combined my love of dinosaurs with my love of roller coasters. If you remember the end of it, it is eating a roller coaster, <laughs> and uh, so I just went insane for that. And I was always interested in fantasy stuff. It's interesting. I mean, my, my parents tell me that I was making up stories even before I can remember and, and corralling kids to make them listen to them. Um, so the interest in monster movies you know, was, was ongoing. They were by far my favorite kinds of movies, monsters and sci-fi, mm -hmm. and, and not, <laughs> you know, uh, sort of dramas or to some extent even, you know, lighthearted comedies, you know pillow talk and stuff i would not have wanted to sit through yes. but uh, uh and then and then the second question of course is uh, i've told this story before but it, it is a nice story um contrary to almost anybody you will ever talk to in the entertainment business uh my father pushed me into the film business mm -hmm. i was making stop motion animation film because of my love of Ray harryhausen i somewhere along the line tripped over the information of how he did what he did and i immediately began making clay dinosaurs and taking all my model tanks and making stop motion films and i did this for years and years from about the age of 12 on and uh, uh when i went to college i went to penn state university and uh my dad was actually working there which is part of the reason i went because we got a deal on it and he corralled me at the end of the first day and he said so what did you sign up for and i said well i, I signed up for pre-psychology because you're a psychologist and yeah. i don't know i guess i have to get a job at some point and he said that's insane you've been making movies since you were 12 years old so he called my counselor up my representative at the college and canceled all my courses <laughs> it's like <laughs> and signed me up for whatever they had, which wasn't much back in all those years ago. But uh, then I, that was the first time I ever said, oh, could I make a living at this? Mm -hmm. And then it, I never looked back. Then I, then I pursued it. <laughs> so from being at college, is that when you met um, Ron and uh, Brent? Well, indirectly. It was, it was graduate school where I met them. I got interrupted by the Vietnam War. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and got drafted and and uh, thankfully they did not send me overseas or I would not be here because mm -hmm. not very not a combat oriented person but they did but I did I did serve and and uh, on stateside and then when I came out of that I got back on track then and I said well I guess I'll go to graduate school so I sent my movies that I had to USC mm -hmm. and it was at uh, University of Southern California that I met Ron and Brent okay. Yeah. Indeed, some of the other people that I continue to work with. Yes, so I'm, I'm assuming that these guys also had the same love for monster films and Harryhausen uh, that you did as well. Yes, we were all very avid. We were all going to go out and make great movies. <laughs> <laughs> so while there, did you make student films? Yes. Yep. Um, one 
One is actually on the DVD of Tremors 4. That was my most successful one. USC was way back then. This was before George Lucas did Star Wars. In fact, he came to show us a movie that he did prior to Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, and before he made zillions of dollars and began supporting the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so we just had little ramshackle buildings and they had a fairly cut and dried program. It was, it was nice because it was, it was nuts and bolts hands on, you know, you did lighting and you did, you had to make a silent, you know, short film on super eight and you had to do, uh, even your next project up was not sync sound because they didn't have much sync sound equipment. Yeah. Oh. All this stuff sounds so arcane now, I, I'm sure. But, uh, but yes, uh, and my most successful thing was was called Recorded Live. And it was, again, my thing. I, just, I had the idea of videotape spooling off and attacking people, sort of like the blob. <laughs> and uh, they didn't think much of it at the school, but I it, it eventually went on to win a lot of awards and became one of the first films that they had to subcontract. Uh, to a company to make prints of it because mm-hmm. they were selling so many of them. So is that the film that's on the Tremors 4 disc, did you say? Or? Yes. It's, uh, I, now, in UK, I don't think it is. Universal did the most bizarre thing. I don't think they put any of the extras on DVDs outside of the US. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have seen that because I, I own the Tremors 4 DVD and we have zero extras on any yes, of our discs. I, Yes, I was appalled. You know, we, you know, Tremors, Tremors is very popular all over the world, in, yeah. in Germany, for example. And I, I, I don't, I don't understand, you know, a, a corporate decision which is more work. It's more work to produce a DVD without the stuff you already had on the DVD. <laughs> now, I'm not sure how it's saving you money. Yeah. But uh, uh, um, it is also online. It's called Recorded Live, and it's in fact, in fact, it's a quick sidebar. Yeah. A, fellow who saw it used to run on hbo uh during the early years of hbo in order to make their movies come out even and start on the hour they ran shorts to fill in the gaps and recorded live was picked up for one of those things and it terrified a whole generation of kids because they would run it you know indiscriminately at the end of a children's show anywhere Mm. and it's fairly (laughs) scary you know it's about a guy being killed and and devoured by a blob of videotape and uh (laughs) And the fellow who was terrified of it as a kid just remade it. He, he just he contacted me, and, and he has uh, actually duplicated the film. Mr. Ames, your resume indicates that you may be just the person to assume the managerial duties at KLRN-TV and free me to continue my work in sensitized videotapes. Don't be put off by our present limited facilities. The success of my experiments will soon permit KLRN to capture a much larger share of the viewing public. Sincerely, W.H. O'Brien. So, how did you your involvement with directing Tremors 2 come about then? Was it just a natural progression from writing and producing to moving on to the directing side of things? Uh, sort of. It, I had never had any fantasies of being a director, but when we were doing Tremors 1, mm. Ron came to me and said, we're going to need a lot of second unit work to make this work. A lot of a unit getting bits and pieces that the main unit is not going to have time to shoot on this very restricted 
timetable. I forget what we had. I want to say 50 days or something like that to shoot trimmers. Yeah. It was very difficult to stay on schedule with just the main scenes of, you know, the actors saying their lines. And this is where uh, uh, the people at Universal supported us, mm-hmm. you know, wonderfully. Initially, the second unit was going to be the small unit. You know, oh, so then back up one step, and Ron said, you know, you used to do animation and so forth for my educational films. You've always done that kind of thing with me, so why don't you just direct second unit? Mm-hmm. And I went, well, okay, I guess. It doesn't, at the time, I didn't think anything. I didn't think I couldn't do it. I, what I didn't expect was then Universal got behind it and said, look, you, re- you need a real second unit. And I ended up with a crew. I don't know, 50, 75 people or something. Right. And I'm like, whoa. But it, it, it did become necessary because the, the full-size Graboids were very cumbersome. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it just took forever to get things set up and get all the goo working in the mouth and get the tentacles all lined up so they weren't tangled up with each other. Yeah. Because everything is mechanical. You know, there's no CG in in the movie at all. And it didn't exist back then. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, um, by the end of it, I was was addicted. It was was a real thrill. (laughs) Directing (laughs) is great. It's like being the king. So uh, um, Time Tremors 2... He was at the, uh, the height of his future movie career, so there was no question that he was going to come into Tremors too. Yeah. So then it was, well, who do we get? Who do we get? You know, we don't know people. We don't want to trust entrust it to anyone. Mm-hmm. And because I had done second unit, it was a logical question. And again, we had the support of Universal and, you know, the, <laughs> the empty box <laughs> theory. They don't care who directs it. So... I fell into that, and then it then it did seem a logical projection uh, progression for Brent, my partner, to direct three, yeah. which he did. Do you, um, do you have any fond memories from making the second film, or was it kind of a blur? Because it was, I think, it was the shooting days a lot shorter, or the shooting the shooting times a lot shorter compared to Tremors one. Yeah, we had half the time and about a little more than a third of the budget. Oh wow! And. Yeah, the original Tremors was around 11 million, and we had five. Wow. So, um, but all fond memories, though, because first of all, many of the crew came back. Our production designer, Ivo Crisante, Tom and Alec mm-hmm. from ADI. Um, the, uh, um, well, I can't even list, many, many crew members came back. Mm-hmm. They, they enjoyed working for for our company, for Stampede, and and they enjoyed the fact that you know our approach to filmmaking is everybody has ideas, mm-hmm. and all your people, all your people on your set are experts at what they do, whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy not to listen to them. <laughs> um, and Evo Cristanti, he he's an actual, he's a, a force on a movie, even though production design is basically. He draws drawings that, of what the buildings will look like. That's what you think of. But Evo gets involved at every level in, in effects. And he designed the entire effect where the roof caves in in Tremors 1. Yeah. Um, because the, the physical effects people were overwhelmed anyway. And he said, do you mind if I, I have an idea of how to do this? And they said, fine, fine, do it. Do it. <laughs> so so uh, it, it was real. Was not only doable, but it repeated itself. Yeah, <laughs> the, the roof would collapse, and then you would pull a few ropes, and it would just uncollapse again. 
So you, you, you made sure to have uh, key people around you and, and make it almost like a family tradition. So, so my, my experience on Tremors 2 was, I mean, there were bad days. There's always days where stuff goes wrong and all that. But mm-hmm. um, it, was, it, it was just exhilarating, you know, the whole way through. Um, again, we had the support of the studio. Everybody was working toward a common goal, and the frustrations were running out of time, or you know, when an effect doesn't go right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was—I've always been a little um, uh, 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 I can't think of the word disappointed in my naivete in dealing with actors, mm-hmm. particularly Fred Ford. I think Fred's performance is is great, but I don't think Fred enjoyed the fil- enjoyed working on the film <laughs> the way I did. Yeah. Um, I mean it's a shame really because Fred Fred's performance is I <laughs> I prefer it to his fir- Tremors one, if I'm totally honest with you. Cause it, yeah, he's marvelous. Yeah and it, and it's Actors are so frustrating. He's never spoken about it. There's a, I don't know if you know the, the fellow who wrote the book on Tremors. Um, um, Seeking Perfection. Yes, I, I have. Um, Seeking Yeah, I have. I've. Uh, I. I recently. Oh, I read it just before Christmas, actually, um, and uh, I was fascinated by the fact that uh, Fred didn't even talk about any of the films that he'd been involved in with you guys. Uh, yes, he was. He was very vocal about not talking about. Yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but I personally, I think that um, as much as Tremors One is is fantastic, and I know a lot of people and a lot of friends of mine that, that love that film. Um, uh, and the, when I came across it, it, was late night on on I think it, in England it was shown on uh, BBC One late <laughs> night, and I remember seeing the advert for it one uh, one night and and just seeing uh, Val and Earl just. Going across the uh, boulders with the poles, <laughs> and I was going, well, what, what, what can this possibly be about? And then when I did finally watch it, I, I wasn't sure what I'd seen, and but I was excited to see more of it, and I really wanted to see more. And I went back into school that day. Uh, I went back into school on the, the following Monday, and spoke to uh, some friends and said, "Did you see this film?" They said yes, and we were all talking about this crazy monster film set in the desert. I was going, what the, what the hell is going on? Um, and I must have only been about, I must have been about 10 or 11 at the time when I first saw it. And over here in England, it was rated a 15, uh, uh, which means that I was definitely too young to see it, but as is, oh. yeah, so as is the way with uh, kids and anything that's taboo, we have to find a way of watching that. And, and their way of watching that was telling people about it and, Obviously, things would change. We wouldn't quite remember what happened in the scene. And at one point, someone was describing something to me that happened in Tremors. And it was actually something that happened in uh, a film called Monster Squad. I went, hang on, that's two different films, guys. That's, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, but um, And then after watching the first one, I, I had to wait some time, obviously, for the second one. To, I think the second one was only just about to come out on VHS after I watched the first one. Um, and I bought with my pocket money I bought a copy of the first one and the second one on a double bill VHS <laughs> um, and I put it in and I fast forwarded through Tremors 1 because I wanted to see what Tremors 2 was like um, and I was astounded with just how much f- 
fun. It was on on different scale, and these new characters, and these new monsters, and um, bringing Bert back and seeing Bert do more things. And it, I I loved it. And I would predominantly just after finishing watching Tremors two, I would rewind it back to Tremors two again. So Tremors two <laughs> got got out of sync, and the tracking would be out of, out of sync on the on Tremors two. But Tremors one was pristine. Uh, for years, uh, <laughs> so you know, I've got a, lot, I've, I have a lot of fond memories for Tremors two, um, probably more right. so than Tremors one. Um, and uh, I recently showed Tremors two to a friend of mine who'd never seen any of them past one. Um, and I said, okay, watch this. Let's watch this because part of the book I wanted to show people the merit of these sequels and I know some people would love these films like I do which is why I'm, I'm writing it but also other people don't know the merit of these sequels and I showed him Tremors 2 on a Friday night we had a couple of beers and we watched it and he was laughing he was yelping with happiness and he he, <laughs> he and he instantly fell in love with Bert um, and about a week later he sent me a message and it was just a photo and it was just like I've bought all of them on Blu-ray <laughs> so it's great to see that the, the the lasting impression these films have on on people, and and what you've written has really resonated with with fans. Um, and we we have found that over the years it is very pleasing because you know, it's sort of justified, you know, especially after uh, the the mild disappointment of Tremors One's theatrical run. Mm. It's been really pleasing to have generations of people. You know, now I get fathers, you know who were kids when they saw it, introducing it to their children and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> do, do you have any favorite moments from part two at all? Uh, well, many, really. Um, I love the moment um, where it first bursts, where a graboid first bursts out of the ground and grabs, makes a grab for Grady. Yeah. He, he, has walked, he has walked off the truck and he hears the music coming, <laughs> and uh, that's that's my wacky partner's kind of thinking, you know, the, the musical graboid. Uh, but one thing, one thing that had never worked in Tremors One mm. was the monsters bursting out of the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, every everything on a movie is 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 the first time you're doing it. Yep. And the effects people on Tremors One decided to rely on air rams to push the monster up out of the ground. So this complicated elevator would go down into the ground. Mm -hmm. And what we sadly discovered after the very first test of this system was that sand and dirt flowed into the rams and jammed them. Right. And uh, so they either didn't work or they worked very slowly. So we literally never got a monster to burst out of the ground except in miniature. We had some wonderful miniature work done late in the day, yeah. late, late in the game when, uh, um, uh, oh, you'll have to look up their names, oh my God. With the, 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 with the, the studio, what, ADI guys, so Alec Gillis and... No, no it's, it's, it's a separate oh, Academy right. Award winning team. Um, <laughs> oh, there's so many, I can't even everybody put a finger who, on it. Everybody who works on our movies gets Academy Awards, but us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got you get global recognition for your films. That's, 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 that's one thing, at least. Oh, I'm totally embarrassed. I can't. Well, you'll have to. Um, Skotek, Bob, Bob, and Dennis Skotek. Ah, uh -huh, okay. S O T E K. 
they were just starting their own company, and they came back even on Tremors 4, and it's fabulous shots for Tremors 4. They, they are the, the consummate miniature people. They do, they've done miniatures for Cameron's movie, and Cameron's one of the most demanding people out there. Yes. So, let's see, I interrupted myself several <laughs> times over. Uh, oh, great moments from Tremors 2, exciting moments from Tremors 2. So, the one thing I said to the effects fella on Tremors 2, the physical effects guy on Tremors 2, was I must have a graboid burst out of the ground, and he must come out really fast, and I don't want him to stick halfway out and not go anywhere. And he said, don't worry, don't worry, I will come up with something. And he came up with, effectively, it was a, a sort of a vertical sled operated by bungee cords. <laughs> extra big bungee cords and we got the full scale eight foot many you know maybe 100 150 pound thing mm. it's pretty heavy even though the avi guys try to make it as light as they can uh this time with, without tom woodruff in it uh sometimes tom oftentimes tom is inside their monsters and he is inside graboids in many shots but in this case all we wanted was for it to blast through the ground so they built a huge deck uh, uh, raised, raised off the ground and uh, allowing enough room for his big sled mechanism mm -hmm. to fit underneath it and, uh, and then dressed it all to look like um, the deserty, grassy desert that we were in mm -hmm. and so that was fantastic it was, it was exactly what I wanted you know, I just blasted out of the ground <laughs> and then another moment, I, I'm a physical effects kind of guy and I'm yeah. also, because I, I do come from a rural background and I, I feel like I know more about the physical world than especially a lot of young people working now. I, you know, I just see a lot of things in movies that are just ridiculous. People falling great distances and then being stopped an inch from the ground by a rope, you know, when in fact they would break in half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. That's, yeah, yeah that bothers me. And uh, so when we, uh, you know, I, I'd been in the service too, and I'd seen 50 caliber guns fire, and I knew that in movies you rarely ever saw what really happens when a 50 caliber rifle fires. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was another thing I was really pushing for. I said, I want the 50 cal to have a big muzzle blast and, and I want the bullet to have a tremendous impact at the other end. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, they took me at my word and we blew the shrieker in half the first time uh, Bert <laughs> shoots at it. I love, I love gets, that moment. You know, I really it, do love that moment. It's, yes, and it gives my partner, you know, a chance to come up with these great lines that he comes up with, doing what I can with what I got. <laughs> and then, and then, obviously, killing the truck in the process. So, oh yeah, with the, that, well, that was another thing. You know, I I knew that, you know, again, because of my military experience, I knew that the fifty caliber is designed to penetrate, you know, metal. <laughs> it, it, it'll go through a lot of things and people don't know this and so we had fun with that too that this bullet had gone through i don't know a barrel and a shed and yeah. cover your ears I like the um, I like the fact that when he does fire the, <clears throat> the round and you can see the recoil on the gun and then you see the muzzle flash and then you see the window shatter at the same time oh you notice the window see I worked and worked and worked to get that window to break at the right time it almost it doesn't quite break at the right time <laughs> uh, but uh, yes that was an effect that I really, really wanted, and they, they worked to get it. Yeah. 
I know. Uh. Um, <clears throat> I know. Um, sorry to interrupt you. I know. I know there was a. Uh, um, there's a couple of moments that I really love. Uh, one of them is when the streakers first appear, um, and they hide. They're, they're breaking into the car after seeing. Uh, oh, I've forgotten his name now. But uh, the, the the Mexican guy that was coming with the pickup truck, and he loses his. Uh, you, you see, just you see his wrists hanging off the sides. So you know, something gets attacked. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. when they <laughs> when they're standing behind the car and they hear the noise and they hear the, they see the the metal sheet moving up and down. And then they keep aiming the gun, and then it cuts back to the metal sheet moving again, even more. And they keep aiming the gun higher and higher, and then finally the <laughs> the streaker comes running through, and and it's just like what? And then brings the gun back down, and <laughs> seeing themselves terrified, and uh, I I yeah, I I absolutely love that moment. And then obviously seeing all of them together, just standing still, just screaming at them, and the noises they make was, I love them as characters, as 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 creature effects. Um, the, the the overall design was great and the the, the way the the flaps come up on on the top of the head uh, and you see the pulsating it looks like a brain but I'm guessing it's not a brain that you that that was in there it's just a, a infrared look it's some sort of an infrared sensor yeah mm. this is all the tremendous work by the ADI guys I mean they, again you know they you tell them it senses infrared and they come back to you with these amazing images and this amazing puppet. Hmm. Uh, that you operate on the set. You know, almost everything on that movie was done on the set as well. We had a few CGI shots by wonderful, wonderful animator Phil Tippett. Hmm. And his the scenes, as much as we, you know, in exactly the way that we hoped people would. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I, I like the fact that you brought back the rock paper scissor moment. That if with <laughs> with uh, oh, and this time with Grady and Grady not having a clue what is going on. Um, was that improvised or was that in the script? That was in the script. Oh, okay. So it it just feels so natural, and and I like the bit when they they first drive into Mexico, and there's a driving. <laughs> he opens up the the cool box and goes, oh oh, last soda, and he goes uh, rock paper scissors, and he just does the the shake. And he goes rock. What what he says to Grady completely puzzles him, and he's just like, "What?" It's it's, it's his reaction. It's it's Chris's reaction. It's oh, amazing. Well, Chris Christopher is just he's just awesome in that movie, and uh, he had an absolute willingness to to be the guy who's sort of behind all the time. Yeah. You know, not not every actor is willing to do that to sort of play the fool. I mean, he isn't foolish because. And the audience knows he isn't foolish because they understand you know, how difficult it is to understand what's going on. Yeah. And Christopher was just you know, 100% willing to just have that wide-eyed kind of, what on earth is happening? <laughs> so when when it came back to bring him, when it came to bring him Bert back for this one, was it a given that you wanted to bring him back, or was it just? Well, the complete the the complete story, of course. Mm. I'm, I'm interrupting you now. I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, uh, <laughs> is that we wrote the script originally for for um, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward and everybody to come back, mm -hmm. and then we found out that Kevin <laughs> uh, did not want to come back. Yeah, uh, he he was very nice to us about it. He never said to us what he would later say that he thought Tremors was the low point of his career. <laughs> Um, he was very polite, and I mean, and don't get me wrong, Kevin is wonderful to work with. He was, he was unbelievably professional and hardworking on Tremors. Mm. We never had the slightest clue that he was sad that he was in a monster movie <laughs> about rubber worms. And 
uh, we never had the slightest hint of that. And it was years before he actually started going on talk shows and joking about this horrible movie that he did. And it was years and years. <laughs> he now has changed his mind all these years later. <laughs> I guess enough fans have approached him and said, you know, you really are good in that movie that he, that he finally accepted it because he's developing a TV series based in some way on Tremors. Hmm. Uh, supposedly, I, I don't know how far it has gotten, but uh, anyway, we have some backing up a step. So it was written with, with uh, Kevin and Fred and everybody to come back, yep. and then and then Kevin would do it. And we, and we were we were stuck. Oh, this, this is another another blow. Uh, uh, that decision meant that the studio was on the fence about whether to actually to make a real a theatrical sequel or not. Mm-hmm. When Kevin said he wouldn't do it, they said, okay, it's definitely direct-to-video in that case. Okay. So that's when our budget and our time and everything got set. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, we're, of course, we're scrambling. Well, what do we do? What do we do? We've got to rewrite the script. And um, so we came up with the, the Christopher characters. We well, we'll have to have somebody come in who, <laughs> who's kind of a super fan of Valen Earl and who knows about Gravel. That was part of our rule is, is that, okay, it's public knowledge. It's been on the newspapers. It's been on TV. People are going to know about this. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't start over and say, oh, nobody knows anything part of our, our world that we're trying to create and then yes the answer to your original <laughs> question is yes bringing Bert back was a given and Reba wouldn't come back we wanted Reba to do it as well but she was off doing some heavy drama movie and uh, she didn't want to come back either mm-hmm. so and then we had to write her out of the script so I mean bringing I think bringing Bert back was, was certainly one of the, the, the best ideas and Really fleshing him out, we obviously knowing he was a survivalist and and preparing for World War Three in in the first in the first one was like a a very uh, kooky character, so we say. I don't want to use that word because it's so yeah, I don't like that word at all. But that, that sort of character, you just go, eh, he, he's a bit of a nutcase, but he's lovable as well. But that's great. Mm-hmm. And then bringing him back for this, where you see obviously what happened between him and. Um, his wife, and seeing him quite depressed and 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 going, well, what have I really got going for me? And then finding out that the tremors, uh, sorry, the graboids really are the things that want to push him, you know, to really motivate himself to get up out of bed, mm-hmm. <laughs> and seeing all the munitions that he gets he gets access to from uh, the Mexican government is absolutely hilarious when he rocks up in that truck. <laughs> yeah, it's. We we had fun with it. It's, it's funny, uh, um, because Reba wouldn't come back. Yeah. We decided to go go with this different idea, and we we'll said, "Well, let's, let's write her out for real. Let's say it's a you know, it was a divorce, and that you know it didn't seem so at the time, but it turned out to be an opportunity to flesh out Bert's character in another way." Mm-hmm. Did you um, again with? He's got some great lines in the film. Some great one-liners. Uh, obviously, the doing what I can with what I got line, which you've referenced earlier, and um, one of my favourite lines, which is, uh, I used, uh, I'm completely out of ammo, which is one of them, <laughs> which I really like. Uh, and uh, any ones that got on, I'm paraphrasing them, but any ones that got on to the truck, I, I dealt with small arms fire and, uh, and uh, uh, hand to hand uh, techniques, 
which I thought was hilarious, singing bits of guts <laughs> and an entrails hanging off the the battered uh, truck, which is one of the best ones. Would, was that written in the script as well, or were these free flowing from Michael? No, that was that was all there. Oh, amazing! So I'm I'm really impressed that all of that was in the in the script. I was not expecting that because I've never read a copy of the script online or anywhere if if it's available. Um, so I wasn't sure if it was something that had been written or that was improvised. And it feels like it'd be one of those things that would be improvised. But I'm I'm really impressed that it's in the script. Well, we do we do draft after draft, and 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 we love being able to flesh out the Burke characters. Mm. He's great fun to write for. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I can't swear that 100% of it is there because I, uh, even then, Michael would come in before we would shoot or, you know, at lunch and uh, he'd have his, his script in his little bound leather book and he would, um, he'd say, Steve, can I talk to you a little bit about this next scene and he'd have little little sort of asterisk marks next to his lines and he'd say no I think Bert might say this or I think Bert might say that so that does it, I'm, I'm going to say that most of the time the, at least the intent of the line was there but the wording would change mm-hmm. um, uh, because he by then you know had become to sort of own the character and uh uh, but he always relied on it. He relied on us for all the technical stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that I had a, he had a difficult time with one of one of my favorite lines was, "I feel I was denied uh, <laughs> significant need to know information." Yeah. Um, we didn't we didn't put it in the script with hyphens need to know, mm-hmm. and he kept and I couldn't and I couldn't understand why he was saying it wrong. Having come out of the military, this was an expression that I used. Well, I, that I heard used all the time. But, Gentlemen, this is need to know information, you know. <laughs> and uh, and he would say, I was denied need to know information. And I said, Michael, I, 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 I want to try this again. I couldn't figure it out. And finally, I said, Look, can you? I, I may. I I hate to direct you in this way, but it's need to know is like one word. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, Oh, of course, I get it now. You know, so. <laughs> I I I feel like the second film certainly has more one-liners in it than the first that I can remember. I don't know if it's because I've seen I've watched the second one more than the first, but I I laugh. I still laugh now every time I see hear those lines. And <laughs> I like I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm going to say that's probably true. I will give you a little bit of background on Tremors 1. Sure. Tremors 1 we felt was too funny. Uh-huh. Uh, toward we were on our sixth or seventh draft. We shot the seventh draft, and somewhere in the fifth, sixth, and seventh draft, we began taking jokes and one-liners out mm-hmm. of that script uh, because we began to see, at least in our opinion, and part of our rule, you know, it, it has to be a real world. That anytime somebody said something that was funny and not part of the situation it was more of a one-liner mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't work we felt and anytime people anytime someone made fun of the monsters it didn't work you know you, we just went okay you would not do that and I, if you were if you were faced with this thing you would not be saying wow it looks like a you know a weenie with a something or other you know um uh, uh yeah so we 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 hewed to that to that thinking mm-hmm. and and it's interesting 
I have never thought about it until you just said it. It may well be that there are more funny lines in Tremors 2 because we had a better handle on where they could come from mm-hmm. and still fit into the movie, if that makes sense. Yes, it does, yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, he, I, 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 still be, I still believe, in, in my personal opinion, but I still prefer the second film over the first. That's not to put. A, that's not to put wow. a slur. <laughs> I see a minority there, but I appreciate that. No, I, I don't. I don't want to put a slur on the first, and I don't want to feel like I'm just saying it for the sake of it. I do. I genuinely feel that I love this. I love the second one a lot. There's a lot. I have a lot of respect <laughs> for it, and I don't that's know fair. why. And I think it's just because I used to watch it so often. Um, and I'm. I, any person that has seen the Tremors film the first one, and they've never seen any sequels, I always make them watch the second one, always. Wait, make them watch <laughs> the second one. Um, I'm very much hated by a lot of my friends for making them do that. Apart from the one guy that has now bought the box set, but the um, <laughs> who now won't stop talking about it, and I'm, I'm actually quite annoyed. He, he thinks he knows more than I do about the second <laughs> film, which is just like, okay, fair enough. Um, but I I like the, the setting, and 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 even now, from what you said earlier about the, the budget and how big the budget was and how long you had to shoot it, I'm amazed at what was achieved. Because it, it, it's really bizarre. It does feel more expansive than the first. Yes, it, it feels big in a way that I'm very... I'm, I say I'm proud of it. I, you know, it's not that I had anything to do with it other than you know, Nancy uh, uh, and, and Brent and, uh, and the studio mm. you know, fully supported bringing back not only the not only as many of the same original team members as possible, but but new people, new physical effects guy was new to the movie, and mm-hmm. I mean all of that is a function of people just you know killing themselves for you. Yeah, <laughs> just amazing. It just people work so hard. The stunt people. Uh, but anyway, I appreciate that because yes, we 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 really worked hard to get every everything on the screen, as they say. Yeah, no, and it, and it, and it really does show. Um, was it always going to be the case that you wanted to give um, uh, um, Earl a love interest? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there again, we, we we just looked at everything in the first film. We just studied the first film and said, how can we build on it and, 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 and be true to those characters? And we thought, well, Val has Rhonda. He went off with Rhonda now that Kevin will come back <laughs> and uh, 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 so Earl is alone now and what did he do well he took what money he made and he invested it in ostriches and we had thrown in the line in Tremors 1 mm-hmm. that every girl has to look like Miss October 1968 <laughs> um, he says derisively to Val yeah and uh, and we thought, well, it would be, f- I don't know wh- where this came from, probably Brent. And we said it would be funny if he actually meets Miss October 1968. <laughs> um, and and uh, so that that's where that came from. And and we knew we we did, yes, we always wanted a, a woman in the in the script. Yeah. And then it seemed a natural progression to have Earl end up with her. So we sort of worked backwards from. Knowing that that's where we were going to go. Yeah, uh, what I like is there. There's that little exchange way before you find out that she's she was one of the pinup girls, or that pinup girl in particular. <clears throat> and he, uh, I think it's when they just first come to the refinery, and 
they've had something to eat and then they're talking about the, the graboids and where to find them and then they both look at each other's backsides <laughs> like both yep <laughs> it's just a, it's quite sweet in in and it's quite it's tender to see and also what i quite like about that as well you went with there's this trends nowadays with with films and sequels to have if there's a love interest they they always have to be of a certain age group and i think it's safe to say that oh and her were quite mature shall we say as 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 a character as sets of characters and and to see that they were both quite they seemed almost lost without each other and then when they finally get, get together at the end it's quite it's really quite sweet yeah, I'm glad that we worked hard on the scene. Those are the most difficult scenes for me. Were those emotional scenes? Yeah. Helen Shaver was giving me pointers on those because <laughs> I, I I was awkward in, in directing, and, and that was where they had the most fun as actors. You know, it's it, it's not great fun being in an effects movie. Yeah. You know, for an actor, there's a lot of okay, it's standing over there, it's really scary, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's when no, it's not over there. It's kind of a little bit higher. <laughs> you know, what does it look like? Well, it looks kind of big. I don't know. And then, <laughs> so, so you know, actors want to work with actors. They want to do scenes, and, and the scene where they're they're chatting, and she reveals her history. Yeah, uh, that was that was a tough one for me, and I don't think it was as tough for them. I, I was I was calling for additional takes, and Helen pulled me aside at one point because she's she'd worked all over and she'd yeah. worked with Martin Scorsese uh, people, you know that that I would be completely intimidated by. And she said, "Steve, don't worry, we can keep doing this." Scorsese doesn't even print until about take twenty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that, 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 that must be reassuring as well. So <laughs> yeah, because I didn't have the budget to go to take twenty. <laughs> regardless. <laughs> I li- I like that the um you give a little bit of history as well behind the tremors. Not only do you have the evolutionary cycle, but you also have where they are effectively from. And then oh, has that brilliant line goes, "Damn, I thought they were from be be from space." Um, right, right. And I just I like that that there was a bit more explanation about it. Although part of me feels like there should have been still some mystery, but it's nice that it had that kind of. It felt natural. To, for it to go that way, if, like you said earlier, if you had, even though you hadn't plotted this out, the way it had been progressing through the th- through the films, it felt very natural. It almost felt like it, this had been plotted out from day one. It is funny. Well, we we backed into it because in the first movie we had an argument with Universal. You know, they mm-hmm. desperately wanted us to say where they were from, and we said no. There's only four possibilities. Mm-hmm. No matter what, the, no matter what you do in a script, there's only four possibilities for a monster. <laughs> They're from outer space. They are natural. They are created by mad scientists, mm-hmm. uh, or they're supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're demonic. You know, they were created by wizards. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, and anyone you say, the audience will go, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so, so we're not going to say. And uh, so, then, but then in Tremors Two, we felt like, well, we can't get away with that again. Mm-hmm. Now they're, they're public knowledge. They've been on TV. All of these things, and uh, so we thought. <laughs> then we went a little bit overboard. We have gotten, we have gotten dinged many times by saying they were Precambrian life forms. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think it's great that they, 
the the partial origin of where they've come from is explained and the, the life cycle is all there it's great to have that in the second film uh, but it doesn't feel forced which is I, I think quite impressive as well um, <laughs> but I like I what I also like is the relationship between Grady and Earl um, is really quite a, a, quite a big point uh, quite a big selling point for the second film uh, along with obviously Bert in tow and whereas the first one was I think from a character point of view and correct me if I'm wrong but the way I saw it was that um, Val was really starting to learn to not be so shallow and and appreciate the finer things in life Earl this time round Earl with Grady at least feels like he's finally relaxing and doesn't feel so stressed and, and hit up with life I don't, I don't know that's just my interpretation of the characters yeah, uh, that's interesting. I mean, you you, you have a, you know, a really good grasp of the film, you know, anyway, and probably know it better than I do at this point. <laughs> uh, I, I cannot say, I, I don't remember, you know, thinking that per se, mm. but I would like to think it is there just by virtue of the <laughs> other effort we put into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, um, I like the fact that Grady's involved. I, I mean, I know... One of my, I, I obviously I mentioned earlier, I had two friends that I've shown this to recently. One friend thought Grady was irritating. The other friend thought Grady was fantastic. And mm. it's great to see those two sides of, of what they feel. This side, because he essentially is a sidekick to Earl. And I've always been the firm believer that Grady, without Grady being in the film, just having Earl and Bert would be fantastic, but you need someone else to play off as well. And I really like the bit when he runs in, uh, thinking he's so. I think well, effectively having made the chain with all of the cans on, and starts swinging it around the place really loud, <laughs> and uh, and then looks at Bert. Uh, sorry, looks at Earl and uh, oh, I've forgotten Helen's name now. Um, her character name. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And then he gets out his little ch- uh, keychain because they look at him blankly and just start swinging the keychain around to make it. Imp- <laughs> and I just, I, it's little moments like that. And then he sits down. As he sits down, he does sits down like he's sat on some hot coals really quickly and gets back up. And I, I like those little moments there. And in, 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 it's effectively a monster film, which should just be monsters and gore and goo and effects but you've got these lovely little character moments which really really make it stand out and I think that's why the Tremor series has been so long lasting over these years well I do I do think that's true I do agree with you you know and in, in character is what we spend so much energy on because mm. it's so important you know that's why it was so frustrating that for so many years Kevin discounted Tremors because you know he and Fred ground that movie they're those two guys in that situation are so real, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you know the sort of behind the eight ball and trying, you know. But but they're the handymen. They're the guys who solve all the random problems. That, and that was a deliberate choice too for Tremors One. I've told this story too many times. But when we set out to write Tremors One, the one thing that I insisted upon was that if it was going to be a B monster movie like the ones from the fifties that I grew up with. Mm. Uh, it would not have any of the stock characters. So that's where those two guys came from. They would not be the sheriff. They would not be the know-it-all scientist. They would not be the military guy. Nobody in the movie would have any idea on what was going on. Yeah. 
and be, you know, this fount of knowledge. Like, well, obviously, these things are radioactive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 and that's how those two guys, so then, you know, in concert with Brent and Ron, because uh, uh, Ron worked closely with us on the story mm. at the outset, because Nancy felt that would help cement him in as director, this is all part of her planning, mm. uh, um, you know, we, then we, we came up with the idea, well, what if, what if they do all, all the sol- problem solving in the town? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get stuck with this enormous problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think that's great that they are everyday characters. Um, just to sort of round up on Tremors 2, what... Well, Tremors in general, I think. So, of all of the films that you've done um, through Tremors 1 to 4, what has been your personal favourite that you've either worked on or, or, or made, and always your proudest achievement from the series? Well, there, there's a side of me, because I directed it, there's a side of me that, that really does love Tremors too. You know, when I look at it now, it was... Mm. But part of that is sort of... Is, is colored by the thrill of directing for the first time mm. and and getting so many things right that we felt didn't go right in Tremors 1, you know, like the physical effects-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, you know, but I really... I mean, I like them all because we we were you know because we had total control over all of those four films. Uh, it was fun. I have a, you know I have a soft spot for Tremors four, but partly just because it is so different. Yeah. Because it was fun to retell the story in a different setting. That was fun as a writer, fun as a creator, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then in the final analysis, it's interesting what you say about Tremors 2, mm. how it looks to you as being almost bigger budget. Mm. When I look at Tremors 1, it looks just luxurious to me yeah. uh, because we shot in the real, you know, we, didn't, we couldn't afford to go out to the real desert mm. in Tremors 2. That's why it's set in these, in these hills in supposedly Mexico. Yeah. And then we even had to make a comment of how green it was because it was the one year in Los Angeles that it rained like crazy right before <laughs> we stopped. And everything was green in this place it was normally brown because we were only, you know, a few miles north of Los Angeles. Okay. And right behind Magic Mountain, if you know where that is. Uh, I know about it. I don't know exactly where it is, but I know about it. All right. So due north of the city on a, on a freeway out there, where literally, you know, there were times when you could peek over the hill and see the roller coaster. <laughs> uh, 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 so when I look at Tremors 1, it feels big and rich, and, uh, you know, and, and Kevin and Fred are just astoundingly good. I mean, everybody is. I mean, God, Finn Carter is just astounding to me in that movie. Mm. You know, boy, we, we pushed against type there too. I have I have read online comments that I vehemently disagree with. And, oh well, Ron, this is not very sexy. And, uh, <laughs> and you people, but <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that what's make makes it interesting as well because you have these they're everyday characters. They're not you, you know your, your typical yeah. glamorous Hollywood types that would just appear and go. Oh, okay, well, I can definitely see them together and and whatnot, but... Yeah, we were adamant about doing that, and of course Finn, who's a dazzlingly lovely woman, was again, you know, as an actress, mm. was daring, my god, I mean, he'd let us put introductory scene <laughs> let her hair go all frizzy and everything, and yeah. she just 
was gung ho, and it was terrible. Gosh, she did a lot of just. I mean, these are hard movies anyway mm. because every there's dust everywhere, dirt everywhere. We had dust storms. We had snow, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know there's scenes where you're lying in the dirt for you know an hour waiting for the camera guys to do stuff, or waiting for the worm to do the right thing. And, <laughs> <laughs> Those damn worms never give you a break. Oh God, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I mean, um, I, I know there's one thing I've always wanted to ask you as well, and it's going to be a sad fanboy question. So please excuse me for asking. <laughs> um, but where do you think um, Earl and Kate and Grady are now post Tremors Two? Where Where would they be now after all of that? After accruing all of that money, do you think you know? Uh, would have gone on and, and blown it on the wrong investment again or do you think Grady's Worm World would be as popular today as as as, uh, as any other theme park you know that's a great question you know and we, and we I, I haven't perceived that I, I my my gut is that Earl would not blow it again <laughs> and that he that he would resist throwing it all into Grady's theme park. Yeah. Although he might support that to a degree. And I do think Grady would take, and I, I think Bert would simply go back to his bunker and invest his money. <laughs> uh, although he might appearances at the theme park. <laughs> I don't know though. He's pretty negative. He's pretty negative of the tourism business in Tremors 3. So <laughs> uh, that is, you know, it is a great question. You know, that it's a direction that we didn't, uh, that we didn't pursue that we did you know we did respond to feedback from fans mm. even from us too was a little bit before you got constant feedback online and so forth but uh, um, we did get uh, comments from fans saying gee we missed perfection we really perfection so when the opportunity that came up to do trust three mm. we knew that if nothing else we were going back to perfection yeah. and uh, and gathering the the old team together, which was fun. That was great fun, fun too. Yeah. So I would, I would love to have seen. Yeah, that it's, a, it's a great question. I wish I, I wish I had a more detailed answer. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I sorry. Yeah. No. I, I, I mean, that's still a great question. Uh, that's still a great answer. I would love to have seen a comic on it, if I'm honest, like a, a comic story about the what would happen, what would have oh, happened with the guys. Absolutely. People have tried and tried and tried to get Universal to license the rights for comics. Mm. They just won't do it. They just—I don't know what it is. I don't know what they're. It seems to me that it's win-win. You know, you license it. You don't care what people do. You've already said that. So, <laughs> uh, you know, you, with your empty box. So, uh, uh, but I've had, oh gosh, you know, dozens of people approach me. They approach me through Stampede because yep. they think that I own it. <laughs> and I'm sort of—I've become kind of the voice of Stampede only because. I'm the one who answers the fan questions on the Stampede website, yep. and I still do it, and they still come in. It's hysterical all these years later, <laughs> and uh, so initially, oftentimes that's where it comes from, and then I have to explain, no, we don't own it, we don't control it. You have to contact Universal. I don't usually hear back, but once in a while I hear back. Oh yeah, it was a complete dead end. They wouldn't listen to me. Yeah, so. it's it, it's really a shame as well that they never released any kind of merchandise for the the, the Grabboys themselves. You know, me being yeah. The only thing we had, yeah, there was never you know an action figure. I I, I feel so so uh, 
abandoned by Hollywood. You know, the, the number five never got one. And the, the, uh, a guy in the Midwest somewhere made one run of really nice graboid models. Yeah. Um, and I have a, I have a couple of those still. Yeah. Uh, but and even even he told me he said it was it was a mistake I shouldn't have done it I lost money you know yeah. I, uh, in my deal with Universal and uh, I would I would have, <clears throat> sorry I would have loved to have seen a um a streaker as well just a little streaker that, absolutely that I could have on on my desk I'm being completely selfish now but I take a little <laughs> little streaker on my on my on my desk that I could just have and go yes I'm quite happy with that yeah. just a little thing. I'm like yeah, I, I, I'm just astonished at their unwillingness to do that. Mm. That's, what I, but no one's explained to me. Mm, Go ahead. Sorry, mm, I keep interrupting you, so apologies. No, 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 it's because I never stop talking, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of glad you keep, you're, you're still talking, it's fantastic. But, um, <laughs> to, uh, okay, I want to try and bring it to Short Circuit 2 now, briefly, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Now... Obviously, you were saying earlier with Short Circuit 1, you felt it was too goofy. Um, and with Short Circuit 2, uh, broadening the scope in with the script, at least, and, and moving um, Johnny Five away from... Uh, well, he's a, he's a surrogate family now on the farm. And then going to New York and finding Ben and getting involved in... in other bits and pieces what was the was that always the initial idea to make it a little bit darker than the first uh, yes hmm. and and then also part of the backstory is there is producer David Foster who was um, very much involved in the sequel is a big city guy and from day one he just say whatever it is it's number five ghost of the city <laughs> <laughs> And we had no problem with that. We said, sure, number five goes to the city. And uh, so that's so we backed into it from that direction. Mm. And then, um, yes, our goal uh, was, I have to give you another brief side story. Sure. We were lobbied heavily by our agent and by other people not to write the sequel. Mm-hmm. Because, because you're doing a book about sequels, this may have some bearing on it. Uh, because you didn't do that. That was long enough ago that the perception of sequels is that they were done by hacks. They were done for money by the studio to trade in on the name. This is before the advent of direct-to-video now. And that any director or writer worth his salt would not do the sequel. And we said, but we love this character. We're not letting somebody else write Johnny Five. <laughs> so, so over our agent's objections, we went ahead and wrote the sequel. And we, and we had fun writing it. it we... You know, I think the movie has problems. I, I don't think it's like Tremors 2 in, in being a worthy successor. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the problems came from the script. I'm not suggesting that they that they screwed it up. I, we did have many disagreements with the director we ended up with. They would not wait a very short time for John Badham to finish it. He wanted to do it, which right. was unusual also. Okay. And they wouldn't wait for him. I, you know, the studios make the strangest decisions mm. to me. It was it wasn't like a year. It was like you know a few weeks yeah. before he finished his movie. They said, "No, we're not going to wait. Let's just go with this other guy." <laughs> and which was Kenny Johnson. Oh, Johnson. Kenny. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, he was a very big TV guy, mm. and uh, uh, but you know, fairly sort of classical dictatorial character, and 
uh, well, not to go into lots of details mm. about it, but it was, we, we, we disagreed, you know, with this approach. And again, there was, you know, this is before, and this is one of the movies that led us to our agent to say, how can we get more control? Yeah. Um, uh, we weren't there for most of the shoot. We went, we went to Canada, I think for a week or something, but other than that, we had nothing to do with the making of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, other than writing a script that was too long, mm-hmm. That was one of its problems, and we did very. At the end of that process, we did lobby Ken to let us cut it, but he he, he made one of these strange pronouncements. He said, "I shoot fifty seconds per page. It's fine." <laughs> and I guess that was sort of a TV thing, yeah. you know. But of course, his first cut was like two and a half hours long, so it didn't turn out not to be fifty seconds per page after all. But and so they had to do a lot of cutting. Mm. Part of the part of what hurts the movie is, you know, when you're cutting after you've shot, you know, it's hard to keep the pieces together you know so they're kind of holes in the movie here and there where you kind of go what, what was that all about because the whole scene is missing yeah uh uh, uh am i answering your question yeah, yeah. Is no, question? no no <laughs> it is i'm just i was just i know from uh watching um short circuit 2 as a kid there was um the moment when it is definitely a darker film than the first uh Particularly the moment with the uh, bank robbers um, uh, breaking in and, and basically smashing him up, and that you know that terrified me. Oh my me. god! Yes, that absolutely terrified. I me. will say <laughs> that even though I disagreed with with Ken on a lot of things, the way he went with that scene was astonishing to me. Too. Man, no holes barred, <laughs> and <laughs> and it's tremendously. You know, I wasn't even sure at the time. I, I was. I felt like our audience was kids, so I was. I was worried about it, but yeah. When you talk to fans, you know that's that's both the high and low point for them. You know, it was they were just so emotionally wrecked by yeah. Johnny getting beat up like that. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And then you've got obviously the uh, it's it almost becomes a slave as well, making all of these little Johnny Five models, um, <laughs> yeah. which is it's actually and I'm, I don't know if it's because of my 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 background in in film and and, and practicing a little bit of theory but I, I may be reading too much into it just seeing how much darker it is than the first with these little moments here and there just like mm, that's as an adult i didn't as a kid i didn't see them but as an adult i'm going mm, okay maybe that's a little bit darker than i was expecting and again yeah. it brings me back down to the um they don't make films for kids like this anymore it's all very popcorn fluff and there's no sense of reality i don't think that's it's really interesting that you, much younger than I, have this impression. I mean, it's encouraging to me in a way mm. that, as an as an audience member and, a, and, a, and an appreciator, that that you're seeing that. I mean, I have my own gripes with modern movies, but most of them have to do with scripts that make no sense. And yeah. Reviewer reviewers that say this movie makes no sense, but it's still good, and I always <laughs> go, well, really? Can that? Are you sure that those two things go together? But Brent and I work so hard to plug all the loose ends. Yeah. You know, we don't always succeed, but we really work to do that. And it's it's a, a skill that we have and a desire that we have that is truly, we feel, not appreciated now. You know, we write these very tight scripts and people reject them for reasons that have nothing to do. You know, they go, yeah, it's well written, but it doesn't do X, Y, and Z. Mm. And we, we watch new, newer movies and we try to understand, but we can't do it. We just go, this makes no sense. This is not... <laughs> Would, would would you would you ever want to do was there any idea that you wanted to do a third part of of short circuit or was it that was 
Oh, we talked too. to David about it. Yeah, no, we talked to David about it many times. We almost did it. Mm. Um, and we came up with several different versions of what Johnny might do next, mm. and we pitched them. And David, David has always been a huge fan of the movie. He's made other bigger movies than Short Circuit, but he's always loved it. And uh, and and uh, what finally happened, and it was so it was. So prophetic in a way, we didn't realize it at the time. A number of years ago, we he set it up finally. He got it set up at um, a studio, and we pitched them our various new things that Johnny could do. And they said, "No, we really want to do a remake." Right. That's why we. That's why we did this. So we went, "Oh, uh, so we did. We wrote a remake, and they didn't like it." And, then they moved on, mm-hmm. and and it never got made. I guess it's never going to get made. That was many years ago. <laughs> it's a shame, really. Um, before I, because I, I, I think it might be good to sort of just wrap it up now, because I feel like I could talk to you for hours, and I don't want to sort of take too <laughs> up too much of your time. Because well, I know I know it's late in UK, but I know. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I could talk until about twelve o'clock at night, and I still wouldn't get be bored. But I just want to say thank you so much for being involved with. Um, uh, the podcast, uh, the audio at least for the moment when I do, before I do put it onto the podcast, and for being so open and, and welcoming to me when I uh, when I reached out to you, that was really nice. Thank you very much. Well, I I appreciate that, and I do it because other people did it for me. Mm-hmm. Ray Harryhausen wrote me a fabulous letter when I was doing my book about animation, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I think it's important to to respond to people who are interested in coming up and doing new things. I, and I think the idea for this, you know, this focus on sequels is, well, it's particularly apropos now because Hollywood's completely flipped now mm. and everybody does sequels to everything. In fact, they only do sequels to everything. Yeah. And, uh, um, and especially to to focus, as at least as was your intention back when we first started emailing mm. on on sort of, as you put it, the unappreciated sequel is a great idea because it is quite true that many people who have seen Tremors don't even know <laughs> that there are other Tremors. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I, the, the, the idea really has stayed and has only developed slightly. Um, I've had to get rid of some of the sequels that I've been looking at because of um, I rewatched them and they don't hold up. <laughs> uh, yeah. I have tried. Yeah. I did try really badly. Uh, but it didn't. It just wasn't working at all. Um, I really do hope that I can hopefully stay in contact with you and, and give you an, an idea of how the book's coming along. If, if you, oh, by yeah, by all means, please do. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm not. My email tends to languish once in a while. Yeah. But other than that, I, uh, I'm always happy to. And particularly, yeah, I'd like to hear about it when it comes out. And yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that and getting a publisher and all of those horrible things. Oh, so. I'm. I'm gonna. Um, I'm self-publishing the book. Ah, okay, good. Yeah, good. I'm I've gonna, done that as well. Yeah. So yes. So uh, any any tips you have that would be really handy. <laughs> to, oh, only uh, yes. The only advice I can give you there is mm. that uh, I, I I backed into it on my first novel, Tucker's Monster, because mm. I started getting notes like I get on screenplays, and uh, not that people were beating down my door to publish the book, but they but they would say, oh, you need to do this and you do that. Oh <laughs> well, yeah. The, the worst note of all was. Um, 
G, it would be nice. The entire book is about a 50-year-old guy who's he's nearing 50 and he's freaking out. He's never found his life's dream of a dinosaur. And he's getting more and more agitated and more and more destructive in his search <laughs> to find a real dinosaur. That's the theme of the book. Hmm. And the first note I get from one of the publishers, well, it would be great if this guy was 20. Oh. <laughs> Well, no, it wouldn't be great if he was 20 because he wouldn't be doing what he would do. But anyway, so so my only advice can be, boy, you have to be your own advocate. You have to be your own uh, press department, Mm. Uh, something at which I am not particularly good. And, you know, the book has gotten reviews. It's won awards. uh, But am I making a fortune? (laughs) Have I even repaid my publishing costs? I don't know. Um, So... You know, the, the one advantage you have, of course, is that there is, there is a subset of people who are interested in uh, movies and tremors in particular yeah. and that sort of thing. So you'll be able to, you know, do online kinds of advertising that say, hey, new information about this, this, this and this. And that, I think, will will serve you well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just be prepared for that struggle to to find your audience <laughs> oh no I, I i know i know i know all too well um i, I obviously have a background in in blogging uh which, ah, okay more so than i then yeah so i i um i started off obviously trying to make short films at university and and i screened my last short film at, uh, in the cinema so it was like a bucket list that's off my you know i can tick that one off and then yeah 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 i got um it was a terrible film, by the way. It absolutely sucks. Uh, I, I I watched it recently. I haven't discovered it, and jeez, I really wish I hadn't made that film. But it was a struggle because I, it was the first time I was using um, practical makeup effects. So I oh, wow. so I designed. Um, I basically did my own version of the Dan, uh, Daniel and De- Dan, the Devil and Daniel Webster. I did my own take on it um, mm-hmm. as much as I could do, uh, and the acting was terrible and the editing was bad because I hadn't plotted the shots out properly and my shot list we, there was a lot of arguments and it was such a horrible experience that I decided to it, it really disparaged me from wanting to make films again um, well, that's, that's that's how it goes yeah, sometimes yeah. sometimes it's even the right thing maybe sometimes it pushes you in, in the right direction man. yeah but boy, you know everybody. Everybody has first films like that. Mm. No, there's no question. Yeah, you have to. You have to make. <laughs> yeah, it be a great idea. Um, and it's a challenge, and that's what I want. I like challenges. Yeah, it's a challenge, and well, as I say, I wish you the best with it because I, mm. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a timely idea, and I think it's 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 a it's a a fresh take. Mm. You know, in a, in a world that is full of a lot of writing about movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it appealed to me the first time I saw it in your email. So yeah, no, I, I wish you, wish you the best with it. Thank you, Steve, and um, hopefully, like I said, we can hopefully you can keep in contact over the coming months, and I uh, will keep keep you abreast of what's By happening. By all means, please do. That'd be great. All right, Steve, thank you very much. Um, I won't take any more time now. So you can go and have uh, a good night.